The art of customer service is getting lost. The need for customer service is greater than ever. I don't know if people don't care if it's falling by the wayside, but it's it's no longer the focus of most places. And I think the, the customer service kind of mixed with the knowledge and just being there for the customer. Um, I think all together are things you can't get anywhere else to the fullest extent you can at Midwest Evening Appliance. Midwest TV and Appliance, you get more for your money. That's my favorite part. Help yourself, lads, and I'll tell you what. I got a newbie in the studio this morning. By the way, I forgot to tell you, Charlie, we're on the air now. Okay. Oh, we're on the air. <laughs> so all that other crazy stuff we were talking about, yeah, we got to not talk about it. We're just having some fun because the news is uh, is always worth talking about. <laughs> but you got to eat if you're going to keep your strength up so you can do all that research to find out whether what you heard is really true or not. You got to be <laughs> strong. And to be strong, you got to eat. And in our case, eat dessert first. Yes. Charlie George. Hey, welcome to Cooley Region Cooks. Here, let me push that a little bit. Thank you. I don't want to put it up your nose, just a little closer. Well, uh, yeah. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, good. Gosh, I haven't seen you since Phasey's yeah. million years ago. Like 96. Yeah, man. Okay, three quarters of a million years yeah. ago. That's a really long time. How You look great. Well, you happy and healthy? You're you fully retired. Glasses too. But yeah, yeah. well, I, you, as you see, I'm wearing them now. I didn't used to. Last time you and I saw each other working, I was not wearing glasses. Yep. I should have been. I just thought it was because I was tired. Well, it was a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Is that that's what you're going with? I'll, I'll use that. No, I didn't wear glasses because it was cool to not know what, you're look, what you look like. So, how, you know, how have you been since 1997? Good. I, <laughs> I haven't uh, talked to you since then. Retired six years ago. Did you? Every day is Saturday. So. Just hanging out? Yeah. I, you know. You're liking it? I heard from a mutual friend that you are, uh, I don't know what they call it, keeping bees. Beekeeper, yeah. Yeah? Is that. there a name for that? Or, is that an ornithologist or is that a, that's a bird guy? Yeah. What's, what's the name be- of a bee? Beekeeper. Just beekeeper? Yeah. They, okay. You, know. you don't get a cool name. You just get beekeeper. Yeah. You know, epidemiology. It's yeah. the study of insects. Ah, okay. You know, so how do you like keeping bees? Good. I, I don't see any big red swollen no, parts on you, no. so so the bees like you too, huh? Well, <laughs> you like I, them, I they like worse, you. I welt worse from uh, mosquitoes and oh. air flies than I do my honeybees. So. Oh, that's good. So so how how long have you been a beekeeper? A couple decades now. Really? Yeah. Wow. I started it before I retired, so I'd have some to blend into. Sure. After retirement, so. clearly you uh, you really enjoy it. I do. And does any of the hard work of your babies uh, ever find itself on the market? Uh, not so much publicly. I, I do sell privately, and then I have a wholesaler that buys oh. everything I Don't privately sell? Well, the next time you're jarring up honey, call me, because I'd, love to, buy, well, I'd love to buy honey from a guy I know. As often as not, I'm buying it at the market, and, and it's on the shelf, and I say, did you, did you uh, do this honey? No, no, that's a friend of mine. I know, but I, I love buying art from the artist and honey from the keeper. And, you know, I would love to do that. Had this been a show about beekeeping and honey, I would have brought you a jar. Well, but instead you said food, so right. I made you food. That's instead, okay. So. No, no, that's okay. I'm just trying to <laughs> warm you up for a phone call one of these days that okay. we'll do on the crosstalk. About, uh, or maybe I'll get you to come back if you enjoy this hour. You can come back on Cooley Region Cooks and we'll do all things alternative sweet. I there see that all the time. If you don't want to use sugar, you could use honey. Well, there's other things uh, why you would do it, too. You know, if you have a favorite recipe of a 
some type of baked goods that seems to dry out a little faster on you than you would like it to. Sure. You know, if you can't eat it real quick, just substitute some of the sugar you're putting in for a little honey because honey being the product that it is, it actually draws moisture from the outside. So it'll make oh. your product softer and moister longer. I did not know that. No, you do. Sounds logical, but I did not know that. for. Yeah. I would have been making that up and accidentally knowing what I was talking about. And then you go, what did I do? What did I, yeah, what, what did I just, I got to remember what I just said. It must have been a Tuesday was, I made that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when you're at home, having been a professional uh, chef for so many decades, do you like to get crazy in the kitchen? Mm. Or are you tired of that now? My wife is a very good cook. Is she? And uh, so we've had this agreement over, because I worked a lot of hours over. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you weren't even home for most meals when you were working. Yeah, I wasn't even home most days. Yeah, yikes. It seems like, but um, no, she kept the home fire burn, you know, with the kids and everything. And so, um, and I was raised on a farm. I'm an old farm boy. And, cool. Uh, so it's um, the comfort food of home cooking, you know. You know, even though you got to put on your white coat and everything to be, look nice in the places you go, you still like that. Comfort food back home. Oh, sure. Yeah, and Fazie's has been famous forever above and beyond Tulane buns. Yeah. And uh, Mike Peterson, did you ever work with him? He was no. a baker. He made he he uh, he worked here part-time and uh, and worked in the bakery. And he'd come in often from Fazie's. He'd get there at whatever, 2 o'clock in the morning and do stuff, and then come over here and still smell like flour. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know him. He maybe came after I did. But, oh, that uh, could be. Back when I was there, the bakers used to come in as we were closing the line down yeah. at night at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And then they would be, when I would turn around and come back in at 6 in the morning, they were just leaving. You're all set. See yeah. ya. Yep. They were, so it was a Opposite. tight process. Yeah, 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 wow. Yeah. Did you enjoy all the different cooking all that food? Obviously, you Over did it for years. decades. Over yeah. the years? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I started out in a private uh, Catholic college. And I did that for the first four years or whatever of my life in the culinary world. And that was nice. You know, it's, um, you learn volume cooking at an early age. And then, uh, you know, I was going to tech school and got my degree. And, and then uh, I got into the country club business. And so I spent between the clubs I was in probably 22, 23 years in country clubs. Yeah. Something like that. And does that up your game when you're cooking at a country club? You have to uh, cook a little higher level, a little higher quality? Well, they expect more. Sure. You know, and, and being country club members, they, you know, being members, uh, right. they all feel that they all have a voice in what you do. Uh-huh. And, you know. and how many of them are correct? No comment. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for your opinion. You know, write it down on a piece of paper, and I'll put it in my grave. I got a round gray file in my office. And a rectangle one, I'll, too. Oh, rectangular one, too. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah, I, I, I keep that file for every once in a, you know, once a month or so. I make sure I got that one. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of filing of that. Thanks very much for your opinion. Appreciate that very much. Okay, bye. Mm. Got to go. So who did you get to sit down? When you're working at a country club, you didn't have to sit down by yourself. To develop a menu and decide what you're gonna no that was make, did you? that came you know micromanaging wasn't the big thing there you know you had your general manager and sure and uh, 
all of us department heads, and you were expected to run your department. And well, and back in the day, did you do it all? You had to do the purchasing and the prepping oh, yeah. and the yeah. cooking and the, well, when, not the serving, but uh, you did it all from yeah. buying it to uh And it wasn't it just it wasn't just one area. When I was at the first club I worked, uh, not only I was a chef, I also was a responsible. I had both locker room people that I hired, fired, oh, everything wow. for there, and the janitorial staff. So it was, you know, you like when a pipe would break on the weekend, a water pipe. Uh huh. I sweat pipes too. So, yeah, wow. It uh, valve goes out in the bathroom. Geez, right now I'm right. making scrambled eggs for a hundred people. Could you get somebody else to take care of that pipe? Nope. Well, okay. Well, um, I'll be there in a minute. Uh, yeah, the thing of it is, you just gotta, you know, it didn't happen every day, but you know, in emergency situations, you sure. You can't shut down your party because you're getting a flood in the bathroom. You know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta jump. take care of things. You know, awesome. and, yeah. and uh, by overseeing that large part of the staff, because naturally I had the majority of the people under me, that uh, you have a little more control over how you want to present service to the club. Sure. You know, um, I used to do a a thing nowadays. Maybe wouldn't be, but uh, for my janitorial staff, I would go around with quarters in my pocket and put them behind doors. And then the next day I'd come in, and if that quarter was still there, I knew they didn't close they didn't that do door the and va- vacuum. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. And so I, I used to, and it wasn't always the same door. You know, I'd do different yep. ones. And, and uh, sure. they got to know that they, they couldn't uh, just, you know, Piece magically wave a wand. Yeah, this room's done. No. Not really. Well, good for you. So. Keeping them on their toes. Well, you know, and that's why you were in the business for so many years, making yeah. sure that everybody did their job, straight up. Yeah, I, I yeah. still today when I go out, I always look at the ceilings. I look in the see, corners, corners. I look to see if any burnt light bulbs are up there. Yeah, if they have any cobwebs in their recess lights. Yeah, you know, I. It's just always you have something you've got to do. Yeah, I'm constantly looking at that stuff. When I say that to my wife, she'll just say, "Give it up." Yeah, but well, you don't say that when you're at home, though, do you? Well, give it up. No, no. Hey, honey, there's cobwebs. In no, there. no, 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 no. You still got to live there, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> still Clean got, it. Still got to live there, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Here's the ladder, honey. You know right where that cobweb was. Go get it. Love you. Right, what? Do you have a favorite kind of food? Uh, you're talking about ethnicity yeah. or what? Well, you know, when when because uh, I know the country club, like every other country club, would have Mexican night for uh, for uh, setting to my or Norwegian night or we're having uh, we're, we're going to have a, an Italian night and make a bunch of pasta. And... Okay, up here it wasn't so much ethnicity in the club. No, uh, when I the I was from Racine originally, and uh, that we did a lot more in the winter time to bring out because up here the club closed in the winter. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, because so many were snowbirds. Sure, sure, left. they'd leave. I got uh, it. Whereas in Racine it was more industrial towns, so people were there year-round. All the time, sure. So because they weren't coming out the Gulf in the winter, you know, you were trying to find other reasons to bring them into the club and spend some money and, and enjoy the facility. So, sure. So we used to do more of that. You know, we'd do, you know, a French night. We'd do a Spanish night. We'd do a Mideast night, you know, whatever. Yep. And, uh, and then we used to do a lot more uh, parties within the club oh. that always had an ethnic Sure, sure. Uh, what did you like to cook? What was your favorite? Uh, what did you hope would be the call for the uh, for the night? 
it really didn't matter because you had to be so versed. You know, it wasn't... Yeah, but you still had a favorite. You didn't. I know that there were times when you got the menu and you thought, huh, okay. Well, I got to make this again. It's, you know, I just so fall back boring. on my. Lutefisk and left side. No. Sabrats <laughs> and sauerkraut. There Come weren't on. a lot of Norwegians in Racine. No, no, okay. Those, those were dangerous. All right, all right. So we did fricadella and, and things like that. Oh. Which Stuff is, that would be a, a, a of a, a challenge. Of that's sorts. a Danish meatball. Yeah, you know gravy, but that's uh, fun. A little nutmeg gravy, but uh, and cream peas with dill sauce. You know, um, but no, I, uh, I still fall back on my own ethnicity of German, so I I enjoy preparing German food and yeah. you know I'd still marinate my own sauerbraten and oh you know, and so. Can I? Uh, what, will you share some of that expertise? None of that is secret. You're not taking all those secrets to your grave, are you? Will you talk uh, about it when we I gotta bre- take a quick break? But take a know, break. Yeah, then then we can talk a little about some of the things you did because I know after you do it for 47 years, you have a lot of stuff memorized. <laughs> I noticed you didn't bring it in on paper, and that's fine. <laughs> memorized, that's good because I did people the, are listening, thinking, "Oh man, he knows how to make brought, a good sauerkraut, and I gotta talk to this guy." We will do just that with Charlie George momentarily. He's here. I thought we were going to marinate sauerbraten, and during the break, we start getting into smoking. Now you can take... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're we were busy. We were now. outside we're smoking. Yeah. yeah, now we're back. And uh... <laughs> No, no, not that kind of smoking. You and your son, who's also a chef locally, yes. right? Yeah. Where's he working right now? Let's schmooze him, because he's still working. He's employed. Yes, That's why he's employed. not here. Where is he's he working? He's at Vino's. Ah, cool. Well, I've eaten his food, yep. and I didn't even know that. What's his first name? Charlie. Oh, well, that that works. Next time I'm at Java Vino, I'll be sure to say something disparaging about the chef. So we'll come out and talk to me. Hi, I got you. I know your dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Well, uh, because I said we would uh, marinate sauerbraten, let's do that. But I want to get right back to, uh, to smoking, too, because everybody that's listening has either tried uh, and failed, tried and not bad, or tasted somebody else's and said, "Whoa," because uh, it ain't easy, you know. It is. There's a there's a trick to doing it really well. I mean, in the meantime, though, let's marinate. Well, first of all, for those un, uneducated uh, German food eaters, what is sauerbraten? Well, it's a marinated, sweet and sour beef product. Um, I always prefer to marinate mine at least a week. Really? Uh, yeah, because you're you're using a usually a beef clod or a bottom. And uh, they're quite stout, thick. Sure. And so you need, it takes that long to get it through the muscle. Otherwise, you might as well just uh, make a beef roast and try to fancy up a gravy and throw it over the top. Well, and so so that gives you an opportunity to use a, a, a slightly More lesser economical. quality. Yeah, you know, we a call flat it economical, state. not e- cheap. Oh, no, no, I didn't say cheap. <laughs> a less expensive, I said. Especially these days, nothing is cheap anymore. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, not, you don't need a fillet. Or uh, no, you wouldn't uh, want prime to. rib uh, uh-huh. because if you marinated it for a week, that was it. You'd, that's all you'd have. It would fall right apart. Gravy, yeah, nothing. Yep. So you can use a a flank steak or a, a flat steak or you know something that's a little less yeah expensive. You you want something more stout than a flank? Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well, what's your go-to? Clods. I like beef clods. A beef clod? Yeah. Come on. You're if not, I go to the if I go to the butcher it. and say I need a I need a beef clod, is he going to laugh at me? Well, not if you went to like Bubba Meats. Really? I think he, those guys know. I believe so. He's okay, a, he's okay. A pretty good. Well, now that because I know they're listening, I know when I go in and 
talk to us, Sarah, and say, uh, Sarah, have you got any beef clods? She's going to start laughing. You talked with Charlie George, you did you? My, my son buys from them, too. Yeah. He lives down in that neighborhood. So. They have they have my absolute favorite. Two things. Well, three things they have that are my favorite. They home make their own uh, a Braunschweiger, mm-hmm. which is German. Right. Do you like their Braunschweiger? I Anything with the term sausage, uh, I eat. They're, and I am, I'm real picky. Uh, and their Braunschweiger, my personal picky opinion, is the best. I've never had Braunschweiger that was anywhere near as good as theirs. Also, their smoked bacon and their smoked pork chops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the holiday time, well, and their smoked ham steaks. I, once I went there for a ham. Oh, Hayes, are you kidding? you got to put your order in like a month ago. Yeah. We've yeah. been sold out since forever. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, have you got a, I've got a ham steak, a great big flat inch thick ham steak. Uh, it's smoked, so all you need to do is put it on the grill, give it some marks, and heat it up. It's cooked. Yeah. Oh, God, that was so good. That was good. Lee and his team over there, they know everything they need to know about uh, good. Yeah, they do a good job. Yeah, they no do. No doubt about it. All right, so uh, so uh, what's in your marinade? Well, you, you be sweet and sour. Naturally, You're right. You have to have sweet and sour. So you got to be more specific than that, Charlie. <laughs> you, you Put uh, some sweet in there. and So so sugar and lemon. What yeah, else? No, no, I use uh, wine vinegar. Ah, okay. Okay. I was so kidding you, about sugar and Okay, lemon, use equal parts of wine vinegar and water. Okay. Because you need to submerge the meat. You have to keep it submerged. Got to flood it. Okay. Yeah. And as far as the, the sweet part, I use half and half of white sugar and brown sugar. Oh. So that you don't get too molasses-y. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because... Yeah, the brown sugar would get kind of Yeah. You can thick get and... too much molasses-y flavor to it. And then it's, uh, because it is such a large piece of meat, you do need salt. And okay. I will say this to most people out there, you know, try to buy salt you're cooking with. That isn't iodized because you've taken so much iodine in the rest of your diet, especially if you're buying any prepared foods, that you don't need more iodine in the salt you're going to use for these bulk cooking. And the iodine actually gives that little extra sharp Yeah, I was just going to say iodine changes the flavor of the salt, which I would never have believed until I had a a guy in here once a couple of years ago who was an expert in the field collecting, and uh, he was from Hawaii, Okay. Uh, where they they have their own Hawaiian s- uh, sea salt is breathtaking, mm-hmm. but he was you know he had five or six different salts yep. on the table. He said, "Taste that," and the last one you know, and then we have a glass of water or a glass of milk, something to kind of cleanse your palate. And the last one was iodized salt, and after tasting all these different Himalayan salts and Hawaiian sea salt, all these different salts, uh, at, tasting the last one tasted horrible. Yeah. It was like, oh, man, this is bitter, and yeah, that's bites. iodized salt? Yeah. yeah. It bites. I never buy it. Yeah. Never. You know, and most of the time uh, I use, when I'm cooking, I use mostly just kosher salt. If I'm looking for a particular thing, if I'm curing meat, then I'll use the Himalayan. Sure. Um, because that does a little different action. And, yeah. Or any other type of sea salt. Right, right. And I, I bought a, a Falk salt is something I, you can buy it every once in a while. You can find it on a shelf if you're shopping at a upper end store but i buy it online and it's shaved i've never seen shavings that look like 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 uh, somebody took a blade to a piece of chocolate you know it's all curved and mm-hmm. i've never seen salt in little curved shavings like that till i bought a bunch of falk salt that was all uh marin it was uh, you know in mushroom or or citrus or rosemary falk salt god that was mm-hmm. that's really good stuff Did- 
Do you know of Morton's Steakhouse in Chicago? Are you I've heard. I've never been there, but sure. For you me. know, they have their own aging room there for the beef. Uh-huh. And he has a wall made of Himalayan oh, salt. Really? The wall, the wall is just solid. Really? Wow. Yeah. And it's part of the process. It, it draws the moisture from the beef as it's aging. Sure. But it also adds some of the flavor, too, and they keep it at its... The room is it's like... Uh, Whatever, 62 old, degrees like, or... Like the old... Well, cooler than that, but it's like the old computer rooms where they... It's oh, sure. completely isolated, solid. Nothing else can get in there. No dust, no nothing else. And, right. You know, they got meat that they hang on their... Or lay on their racks. You know, some is four or five weeks. Wow. But that's why when you eat at a Morton's, you don't need a knife. Yeah, you just so take tender. Your yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it isn't... You know, some people say, well, you know, aged meat is spoiled. No, it's not spoiled. No. If it's aged properly, nope. it's not spoiled. Nope. You know. I had an Italian cave-aged ribeye many years ago at a, a restaurant in the Dells, Tommy's Del Bar. Okay. And now it's just called the Del Bar because yep. I think Tommy's Tom, older oh, died. He, or, well, he's died. Yeah, long time ago. Probably died <laughs> a long time ago. But I went there with some friends who had just gotten a big uh, bonus said, whatever you want, I'm buying. Cool. Well, I ordered the steak and, and the stuff and ordered it the way I'd always ordered steak, medium medium well. You know, I like mine brown. I don't want any red in there. <laughs> and the waitress came back and said, I'm really sorry, sir. You need to please select something else from the menu. Chef will not prepare this steak that way. That way yeah. And the first thing that crossed my mind is, how dare you? T- wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm in a five-diamond restaurant, and the five-diamond restaurant head chef said, you're full of crap if you think I'm going to cook this fabulous piece of meat the way you want it because then you're going to eat it and say, well, that's no big deal. It tastes like every steak I ever had before. Yeah, because you cooked the heck out of it. So I said, well, chefs, please, I, I want this because I've never had cave-aged Italian ribeye. Uh, and-, and so chef's choice, and it came back just, I don't know, 30 seconds more than rare. It was just red in the middle and it was so good and didn't need a knife. Nope. And I have never, never ordered a steak any way different than that ever since. Yeah. God, I got goosebumps just thinking about it, Charlie. It was so good. I, oh. I, I used to have a member of the club when I lived in Racine there. He, uh, he always wanted it cold and blue. <laughs> I, I used, I used, I, I had a high setting on my, uh, my grill at that, or char brother, and I just, Black in the outside as fast as I could. Yeah, and then it would go out cool in the center, and uh, he always appreciated with a little, Unbelievable. little couple greenbacks. You know, they oh, came sure. back. You know, he he really liked it. Yeah, well, you know, the 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 customer's not always right. In particular, like me, thank goodness this was many many years ago. I didn't know what I was talking about. I just felt bad for my own tongue for all the and all those <laughs> the chefs. Abuse. Yeah, the, for all those chefs, I forced to cook a really nice piece of beef. The wrong way. Yeah. And boy, did I ever do that. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, let's dive into smoking. You okay. and your son do a lot okay. of that. Yep. Uh, how to really do a good smoked piece of meat. Do you smoke fish too? I do you at do? times. All right, we got to talk about it. We'll smoke. With <laughs> We're going to take a break. <laughs> Charlie and I are going to go out back while. and have a smoke. We'll be right back. <laughs> Cooley Region Cooks on WIZM. I'm Mike Hayes. My guest in the kitchen this morning is retired chef. Charlie George, who you probably uh, uh, had a fabulous meal uh, if you uh, ate at Fazy's. Back in the mid-90s. Back in the days, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, if your favorite country club before that. 
in the meantime, if you're invited, well, and if you're invited over to his house, he's going to serve you dessert with honey on it. His wife does all the cooking at home. Does she? But you said she's a she's a, a really good cook. Does she enjoy it? Cooking? Yeah. yeah. My mom was a really good cook, and she hated cooking. <laughs> she hated cooking. As soon as my dad got far enough up the ladder that he didn't do any traveling, he very happily took over all the cooking uh, at my house when I was growing up. And he loved it. He'd spend all day in the kitchen, not sweat it, yeah. not have an issue at all, making a giant mess and laughing and fooling around. Well, that's kind of like the beekeeping is with me. It's kind of my zen period of time. Sure. Well, and it, it, it's you have to. I'm sure there are aspects of beekeeping where you have to concentrate, pay attention to what oh, you're yeah, doing. But there stupid. are other. Oh yeah, no, no. I, you'll get <laughs> stung. But I meant uh, this isn't something you know, like uh, like when you're measuring a piece of wood for the final cut on a five thousand uh, dollar dresser that you're making for a customer. And if you do it wrong, you got to do it all over again. Then you got to concentrate. You're not goofing around when you're doing that. When you're beekeeping, I'm guessing that there are aspects of beekeeping like there are aspects of cooking where you don't have to pay very close. You're just stirring the pot or you're doing something with the the hive where you don't have to pay super attention. So you can sort of zen out and and enjoy thinking of other stuff. You just need to have your senses activated, you know, all your senses, your sight, your sound, your smell, because there's things that happen in the bee yard that all those things come into play. Well, and I, I read that. I you know I, I poke around on YouTube quite a bit for mostly for crazy videos. But every once in a while, I'll see one that's a beekeeping video, and it might be a minute long. Here's a guy who lost his concentration, and uh, <laughs> you never want to do that. And he's, uh, you know, whatever he's doing, I, I, I hesitate to show my ignorance when it comes to beekeeping. But he's all dressed in the, in the stuff, in the suit, yeah. And he takes his hand. He's talking with somebody who he's, like, doing a demonstration. You want to see the queen? Sure. So he takes his glove off and he's reaching in there and the guy next to him says, he pounds him on the back. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Pounds him on the back, moves his hand. The bees went nuts. Yeah. And the queen is going crazy. And oh my God, don't ever do that. I'm sorry. I had to laugh because that guy got stung. No, that, that's... All you got to do is pay attention to what you're doing. Yep. Slow, do it slowly. Slow and, and deliberately what you're doing. The other big thing, and a lot of people don't realize that aren't in the beekeeping world uh, keep an eye on the barometric pressure really yeah you know they always say the best fishing is above 30 you know okay points uh-huh. okay beekeeping is the same way really that's high high pressure and when there's low pressure it usually means there's storms coming right you know so if the high pressure is a sunny day and and the bees like that oh, and- you can go out there and slap them the side of the head and you know, they won't even care. No, they don't care much at all. How much honey do you are you able to harvest? Is that what you call it? Harvest? Yeah. How much honey do you harvest in it, a season? It differs every year. Well, ballpark. The the best season I had was fifteen hundred. Wow. And a couple hundred pounds was probably my worst year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a bunch. You're making a yeah. lot of friends happy. And I and I vary the amount I keep. Right now I'm running uh, twenty two hives. Wow. Wow. Uh, you can keep honey. But another thing, and then I want to get back into smoking. Uh, honey, you don't put it in the refrigerator. You no. keep it on the shelf. Right. And will it stay on the shelf sealed and, you know, dark? Forever. And for, forever. Forever? When okay. they excavated the pyramids in Egypt. There was honey. There was honey in, in jars. the jars that were thousands of years old already. And they had them in clay jars, but they had wax. Sealed. Sealed yeah. it. Yeah. And the honey was fine. It was it was crystallized. But sure. It, it's, 
It's it's a perfect. It's like a banana, but don't spoil. Huh. It's the perfect food. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, and I've done that before. Take the top off, crystallize honey. Oh man, I forgot it was back there. And I remembered from somewhere, my dad or somebody told me, take the top off so it's not under pressure. Put it in the microwave for a no, few seconds at no, a time. No. That's what he told me. No. And it will come right back. No. Yeah. You want to put it on the stove and heat it up no, in water? No. You want to warm it up like a baby bottle in a water bath. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's slowly, what I was, In a pan full of water. But not and, on the stove. Oh. You, you had children, right? Oh, yeah. You, you, you never heat your water, your baby bottle in a... A water boiling in on the stove. Boiling? No, no. But warm. Normally, sure. what you did was heat your. The same water. way I warm up a chocolate uh, fudge. Hot fudge is different. That, that's, oh, it is. It that's, is. That's a different food than honey. Well, yeah, but I thought I heat them up you, both the same way, or you, I used to. You overheat your honey, and you're destroying the fl- flavor profile. Oh, see. Yeah. And you're talking about buying local honey, which you you say you know. Well, I buy it at the farmers market. If and if it's a raw honey. Yeah. That means it hasn't been heated for packaging yet, like you see on most store shows. Oh, okay, okay. They heat the honey above 150 degrees, so it doesn't crystallize, so oh. it stays nice and pretty on the shelf. Sure, sure. But all honey will eventually crystallize over okay. a period of time. Okay, But when you heat it up, you destroy all the, the pollen properties, which are what people are looking at these All days. the tasty parts. Well, the and tasty the, parts, the healthy and, parts and the health benefits. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, if you really wanted to stay healthy and eat raw honey, do not heat it on the stove. Do never heat it in the microwave. You know, okay. Heat it like a baby bottle, slow. And you know, it might take you two hours. All right. So uh, I, I, you know, my youngest child is forty years old, so I don't remember the last time I heated up a bottle, uh, and I am confident that I did it the wrong way <laughs> at least once because I had twins, and we got to hurry up and heat up a bunch of bottles. Because if you saw them now, you'd think, you could never be a baby. Yeah. <laughs> you were never a baby. Look at you. You're a monster. Uh, uh, so, I, you know, I'll admit it. I don't remember how I heated up a baby bottle. So tell me, what's the proper way to reinvigorate crystallized honey? Well, you get your water. If you have your water, your heater set at 120 degrees, let it get to that point. Okay. Put it in a in a container just a little bit bigger than the the bottle you're heating the honey okay the honey okay and have it deep enough that so it isn't floating all right so all the honey is underwater as so much speak. as possible keep yeah. the lid on it so you're not because you oh, take keep the, the lid on the honey oh yeah because okay. when you you take the lid off honey draws moisture from the air remember i was talking yep, yep. earlier about sure that. and uh, so you want to keep it down and then you wait until the water cools a little bit empty it out get some fresh water or you can heat your water in the microwave. Okay. You know, and then so just set the honey in it. In it, yeah. Okay, okay. But I, I might know, do it that way. And it's but, a, and you know, I'm so glad you said leave the top on because I would have not. I would have thought, geez, you can't do this. Put that cold honey in a boiling or you know in a really hot. First thing it's going to do is it's going to heat up and that pot top is going to go no, flying uh, off and I'll have honey all over my if, ceiling. If you do that, your honey is probably fermented. Oh. Yeah, well, so you're right close it's to never making, in my shelf yeah, that long. Well, I was gonna say you're getting close to making mead now. So, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, no, it's never been on the shelf that long. But I have had crystallized honey on the shelf in the way he, back. Didn't even see. that if you're if you're using it for on your toast in the morning or sure. something like that. Yep. Spread it like jam. Then take your just take your knife and take it out and spread it on honey butter. Your, yeah, you just on your warm like toast and it'll melt down by the time uh. you eat it good stuff yeah and it lasts forever i'm so glad to hear you say those words out loud and don't refrigerate it never refrigerate it and never throw it away no because it is never going bad i've had so many people tell me 
You don't know what you're talking about, Hayes. What do you mean it never goes bad? You're nuts. Get long, away from me. As long as you keep Sorry. the air off, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, smoking. Smoking. What kind of wood do you use? I, well, you said a variety. What's your I, favorite? I, your go-to. The, my go-to for pork is majority hickory. Okay. Okay. But then I also put a little uh, cherry and a little alder in with it. Alder? Yeah. And if I'm... Okay. Yeah. And if that's the main smoking wood in Alaska. For alder the, is? Yeah. Really? Because really it's the only hardwood they have up there to okay. smoke. And they, so they use it for their fish and stuff. Sure, but, sure. But it's also... it's Alder is better for like um, your milder meats, your fish, your chicken... You know, things that don't have that big, strong profile behind it. Sure. Uh, and it still gives you that nice flavor. Um, apple, I, I will use a little apple at times, depending upon what cut of pork I'm using. You know, but if I'm doing just a, a pork butt for shred or, or doing ribs, then I usually about 90% hickory and about 5% cherry and, and uh, 5% uh, alder. Um, and if I'm smoking other things uh, like a jerky, uh, which my son is really getting into really heavy doing jerky, yeah. beef jerky. He uses a, a, I don't know what percentage of woods he's using, but he he uses a different woods than I do for those uh, things. And uh, we're, this year coming up, I'm going to experiment with some uh, plum now. Oh. I uh, got some plum limbs. I have trees on my property, and I, Harvested some of the when I pruned them this year, so I'm drying that out to, to use for smoking this year and see what kind of profile that's going to give. But um, yeah, every every species of wood will give you a different profile in the food. You know, regardless, you know, it isn't like burning leaves in fall that everything smells terrible. You know, every <laughs> every wood you use has a different profile in the food. You know that you're preparing sure so and naturally the fattier the food the more the smoke is also going to be going to get absorbed yeah so um, but then if you cut the fat off you trim that piece of meat after it's smoked why would you want to <laughs> no i'm just asking uh well because because uh, some ribeyes that come right from the farmer are filled with fat and yeah. i'm not going to eat that chunk of fat no but you can tr- you can trim it within reason but you still oh, yeah, no no i didn't mean like nutball yeah, trimming. you you need to. But you're not trimming off all the flavor. The flavor's going to go through the fat right. into and, the and meat. And with right? beef, is so much different because you got the marbling of the yeah. meat, you know the yeah, fat yeah. internal muscle, so it uh, transfers different. Uh, the other thing too, what affects smoking is how you cure your product or season it, dry rub or whatever you're doing ahead of time. Um, not there again. The, the milder meats like fish and chicken, you don't have to set it up so far ahead whereas pork and beef i always like to go at least a day before i'm going to smoke get my rub on or get my seasoning uh, group in there and then the next day smoke Um, whereas chicken and fish about an hour to two hours it's going to take that's all that's That's all it's going to take what it's going to take because it don't smoke as long you know it's a, Uh a shorter smoking Turkeys are a little longer, especially if you're doing a whole bird. You know, it takes a little longer. I am curious. Here, let me just double check here where we go. You are curious. I, I am. I, well, because I'm, you're, you're teaching me stuff I didn't know. Uh, uh, 
when you say I'm going to, how much meat do you smoke at a time? Ballpark. I don't at have, your house, not for a restaurant. It's only me and my wife now. So I get it. So smaller. <laughs> so smaller. Yeah. Is when we do smoke. So five pounds. Well, pork butt, so come eight to ten pounds. Okay, so, so you're smoking in the neighborhood of eight, yeah. ten pounds of meat at a time. So f- let's, for the sake of numbers, because you said I'm going to experiment, you're going to smoke ten pounds of meat of your choice, How, and now you're going to put some hickory in there and some plum, or you know, two pieces of hickory, one piece of plum, or how do you dis- how do you mix that up and then notice later, ooh, that wasn't enough. I should have put some more applewood in there this time or next time three pieces of plum and well, I also, two pieces of hickory you know the good thing about smoke creates smoke so as you're smoking you'll you know because i smoke outdoors yeah oh yeah oh good so you do still live at home in yeah. the house right okay okay just take it i don't live in the woods yeah so anyway it um you can smell what how that's producing the, the variety of smell uh-huh and you should be able to smell the meat somewhat. I don't uh, do airtight smokers like some of the bigger commercial ones are, where they're a cabinet with a. You got your firebox separate that over here smoke in. Right, right. Mine is a more air-free, uh, natural smoke, and uh, so you can smell how that's already coming. Can you? Okay. And if if well if you if you've been smoking a while, you'll know. No, I'm going to smoke tomorrow for the first time. I mean, or, you know, not tomorrow, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Because now I'm going to, I've always only ever used hickory or apple. Well, then I would Never say anything if, else you're, ever. if you're new to the smoking, yeah, that's what you do. You start with something you think is going to be tried and true. You know, the old Patrick cut a sure. sweet apple wood. Yeah. You know, it was always their, sure. their thing for their bacon. For the, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's cool. You know, I mean, but then next time, make it with hickory. Now try that and see how you like it. Okay, all right. And they go, well, this was good, but, you know, this was a little had a little different flavor. So the, really the best way to do it for your own tongue is to experiment. Do what Try you, it this way, and then next time do it a different way, do what and the next like. time do it you a know, different way. You know, you're, if you're just doing it, um, if I was back working again and running a smoker, yep. I would keep it more melbatose, you know, just kind of. Sure, middle of the road. Yeah, yep, middle yep. of the road type. But when you're cooking, smoking for yourself, you can tweak things a little tighter sure you know you know just saying jerry's looking for a guy to to work in the smokehouse i'm retired no no i'm just saying in case you're bored in case your wife says you know this beekeeping thing is keeping you way too close to home dear <laughs> no i got out yards so oh do you I, oh okay you're i good. only have one you're not in under anybody's have... thumb i no, got it yeah. not in anybody's way yeah. all right we're going to take care of some speaking of getting in the way Got to take care of some business. We'll come back. And then tell me about that chocolate extravaganza you brought. Okay, that's uh, a chocolate espresso cheesecake. Oh, that looks horrible. I, I, I better taste it. I better <laughs> taste it. We'll be right back. Oh, God. See, we are having fun. Thank you, Dad. My father's, he, if it was one thing he, well, he taught me a lot, but uh, his biggest thing was if you're not having fun in the kitchen, you are doing it wrong, period. Period. If you're not having fun in the kitchen, you're doing it wrong. And we have been laughing, laughing. Right now we're laughing our butts off. Earlier we were just laughing. Charlie George is uh, my guest in the kitchen, retired from Fazies and, and quite a number of country clubs over the years. And now he's a beekeeper. In fact, next time we get together, we'll just have to fondly remember that cheesecake that disappeared in three seconds after <laughs> I said, cheesecake. And then there, because you can't smell it. Well, next time we get together. I can smell it. 
Well, and that's because you have that trained palate. You can also stand outside your smoker and tell somebody, yeah, that's four pieces of hickory, two pieces of apple, and plum. Uh-huh. And everybody else is thinking, smells like pot roast to me. I don't know. It smells, it smells like you're burning it leaves. It smells like you're burning leaves. No, that's my neighbor. They're, they're smoking something else over there. I don't know what they got going over there. It could be leaves. It could be leaves. Charlie George is my guest in the kitchen, and we're just having some fun. Thank you, Dad. Tell me about your cheesecake, which is now half gone, and it only took 30 seconds. How about that? Yeah, kaboom. Boom. And that wasn't even one piece, although Ken Cooper would have been thrilled to take one piece of cheesecake, the whole plate. Yeah, he said, dude, you just brought one piece of cheesecake we got to share? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a chocolate espresso uh, cheesecake I made. Okay. And um, there again, some people call me a dinosaur, which I fondly love. Um, Yeah, you got to own up to that for sure. You know, I I do everything from scratch. My son's pretty much the same way, too, so... That's why it's always so good. Yeah. Even the graham cracker crust that I have, I, I crush them. I don't buy pre- Pre-crushed? Crushed. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> either. Crumbs, you know? Buy graham crackers and smash them. Yep. yep. That's half the fun, isn't Take, it? Get the rolling pin out. Take the rolling pin. And bash them. Yeah. You put the, fold down your uh, wax paper, put your crackers in there, and take your rolling pin, fold it back over, roll it down. Yeah. You got nice crumbs. Absolutely. But it's uh, the crust is just... Uh, it's one sleeve of graham crackers, okay. or, which is about a cup and a half, and then a, a full stick of salted butter, okay. which is a quarter pound, okay. half a cup, and three tablespoons of sugar. Gotcha. And so it just binds it nice and tight, and then I form it into the pan. And the big thing there is make sure you press it tight. Firm, yeah. Yeah. Do you pan. ever experiment with graham crackers? Do you have a favorite go-to graham cracker? No. Okay. Uh, just a good quality There again, you can change your profile because, you know, they offer the cinnamon sugar one. Sure, sure. Stuff. So traditionally, just especially plain, regular for this one cap. here, I would use this. Right, uh, got it. Sometimes I do use the cinnamon ones, but not in this one. And then uh, the filling is just uh, two pounds of cream cheese and two eggs. So it's always one egg to one pound of cream cheese. Is what okay, all right. And then a three-quarter cup of sugar, um, three tablespoons heaped of cocoa. And use a good Dutch cocoa. There's a lot of. Well, junk. you beat me to that question. You you gave me the answer before I even asked. What That's, kind of cocoa do you use? Oh, good quality, A's. Yeah. You gotta go. You're only using three tablespoons for gosh sakes. Yeah, it's not like you you're know, gonna break the bank. Yeah, you don't want. But you use, definitely break the flavor. God, you don't you want to use dad. junk out there. No, no, I haven't. And then a half a cup of regular sour cream, not light. Right. Um, and then uh, I used a a good, a strong tablespoon of uh, coffee liqueur, Dr. Oh. McGillicuddy's. Okay. And um, you could use Kahlua, too. If you want. Okay, okay. And then uh, four tablespoons, heap it, of finely ground espresso beans. Now, the ones I use in here are an Italian classic. Oh, okay. And Not just coffee beans, boys and girls, espresso beans. Yeah, a little, a little richer. Yeah. And then... Um, I, I do I don't use water bath for cheesecakes which some people do. Um, I just go slow and long, low low temp, two eighty five, two and a half hours. Um, it's a nine inch spring form that this makes, but you need to have a deep spring form. Uh, the one I have is two and a half inches deep. So if you're using a a shallower one, you know you might have to cut the recipe. So okay. Otherwise, no big deal. Thanks. Yeah. I know my dad was. 
I, I could hear him over my shoulder. My dad called me honey. <laughs> honey, come on. Come on. You, you need good quality. You need the best chocolate. Yeah, and you only need three tablespoons. So, yeah, you're about to drop 12 bucks on that container of chocolate. You're going to leave need three tablespoons, and you're going to have it on the shelf for a while. It would do the same thing about cheese. I know Parmigiano-Reggiano is more expensive, honey, but believe me when I tell you that you're, you're not buying a five-pound block of cheese. Sure, it's $27 a pound. You only need three ounces. Have you got five bucks in your pocket? Yeah. yeah. Wow, are you going to taste the difference? Yeah, and your mouth will thank you. For oh, it. baby. Well, and so will all your friends. Yeah. Thank you for doing all that wonderfulness to their tongue. Hey, thank you very much for coming over and You're welcome. playing in my pretend kitchen. <laughs> Can I get you to come back some Thursday and do it again? Yeah. I oh, sure. Now I got to start twisting your arm. <laughs>